Our second scripture lesson this morning comes from the prophet Ezekiel. And we have been with Ezekiel there with that community of the house of Israel that has been exiled in Babylon. And Ezekiel, back in chapter 40, has been guided through one of God's dreams. And that dream has been of a restored Jerusalem, and especially a new restored temple. And now, this heavenly angel guide continues to take Ezekiel into God's dream. Then he, the guide, brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There, water was flowing below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east, and the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And the water was coming out on the south side, going eastward with a cord in his hand. The man measured 1,000 cubits and led me through the water and it was ankle deep. Again he measured 1,000 and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again he measured 1,000 and led me through the water, and it was up to the waist. Again he measured 1,000 and it was a river I could not cross, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Mortal, have you seen this? He led me back along the bank of the river, and as I came back, I saw on the bank of the river a great many trees on one side and on the other. He said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, and when it enters the sea, the sea of stagnant waters, the water will become fresh. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be a great many fish once these waters reach there. It will become fresh, and everything will live where the water goes. People will stand fishing beside the sea from Engedi to Engalim. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of a great many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. On the banks of the river, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. The word of the Lord. 
Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, you dream of a river. You give a river. You are, by your Holy Spirit, a river that flows through our lives and through us and through our souls. You are the power of life that bears us up and invites us to swim in you. So come to us by your word and by your spirit and let that river rush through us this day. Speak to us what we need to hear so that we may be made whole. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, Tuesday morning, early, we will be, that is my family, will be making the 1,300-mile drive to Minnesota, to that lake where we have been going for almost 40 years. And we will make that drive to Brainerd, and that will not be far from Lake Itasca. How many have been to Lake Itasca? Okay, a few of you. And if you know about Lake Itasca, you know there's something very special about Lake Itasca. And, and who knows what that is? Okay, Gorman. It's the headwaters of the Mississippi River. There are a number of springs and little streams that run into Lake Itasca, and that is where the Mississippi River begins. And one of the special things there is that you can walk across the Mississippi River. It is ankle deep. You can walk from stone to stone to stone because the Mississippi River, when it starts out, is just ankle deep. And it begins its 3,000-mile journey to the Gulf of Mexico. And of course, as it goes, it becomes bigger and wider, where we can stand and feel that cold water running over our feet. We are in the fourth longest river in the world. The river has made that region of our nation one of the most fertile for food. 5,000 years ago, Native Americans cultivated cultivated sunflowers along that river. Of course, there are many fish. In Missouri and other places, I know that you can go and watch the eagles that nest along the river by the hundreds. There are sugar maples that grow along the river with their trees for sap and syrup and willow trees that the Native Americans chewed or aspirin to cure headaches. Mark Twain wrote about Huckleberry Finn 
and how Huck rode the river to take his friend, a slave, to freedom. The first European to find the river, Hernando Soto, called it the river of the Holy Spirit, for it has borne life through the center of our country for thousands and tens of thousands beyond years. Today, the river provides drinking water for 18 million people and sustains 40% of our nation's birds. But we fear for them, don't we? We fear for those 18 million, and we hope that their drinking water is safe because we remember the chemical spill from West Virginia earlier in the year where no one knew what had been dumped into that river or what was safe or unsafe about it, and still people are not sure whether or not they should drink their water. We know that there are invasive species. The Asian carp is ruining the environment of the Mississippi River, and all of that breadbasket fertilizer has run into the river such that there is a dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico where there's no oxygen and there's no aquatic life. It cannot be sustained. Something that was so beautiful is being ruined. And we mourn what has been lost. And it is easy for us to believe that things will never be as beautiful or as good as they once were. And it is tempting to sit by the river and just mourn its passing. Except that God won't let us. The prophet Ezekiel sat by the river. He sat by the river to bar there a canal off the Euphrates, the prophet of the exile, when the people were just about ready to give up on their faith. It had been so harsh. They were living what we know as the middle of Iraq. And we can imagine the land and how they were uprooted from their land and their temple and the violence. Ezekiel sat by the river Maybe it reminded him of the Jordan River. He sat by the river, and God gave him a gift. Now, many of you have been to the Holy Land. You have been to Israel, correct? Some of you, okay. Now, you know that if you have been in Israel, the idea of a shepherd finding grass for the sheep is a little bit of a dream itself, right? Because what is Israel mostly made of? Say it. Rock. We are talking about a land that is mostly stone and desert. And so Ezekiel is there dreaming of Israel 
and his Jerusalem and looking out to the east over to the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea, and this barren land of rocks and desert. He's looking out on the Dead Sea where the salinity is so high, nothing can live. There is scrub desert and harsh desert that leads down to the Dead Sea. Everything is gone. And Ezekiel sits there by the river and is given this gift of being able to see something beautiful even in the midst of all that is sad and barren and terrible and harsh. And what God has Ezekiel see is life. Life bubbling up from that part of the temple, the altar, not the Holy of Holies, but the altar, where the people interact with God, where the people place their offerings, and it is that place where the people meet God. And Ezekiel, his guide, has him listen very carefully. And it is just a trickle of water that Ezekiel hears. No more than the trickle of water that we place on children's heads when they are baptized. And it is that trickle of water that then carries Ezekiel. And the guide shows him that it starts and it becomes ankle deep. And they can still walk in it. And it flows out of the city and down into that scrub. And as it gets to the desert... It is knee-deep, and then waist-deep, and then it is so great that it must, you have to swim, and it goes down into the Dead Sea, and God's dream of life is at the Sea of Death. All of the seas that are dead become fresh. And we translate it fresh, but the literal Hebrew says that the sea is healed. What a beautiful image that the dead sea is healed. And it is not just nature that is healed. Because when the dead sea is healed and it bears forth life, there's fish. And then people who have had no work stand by its banks. And their nets are full of fish. This is a transformation of people's lives. People who have had barren and harsh lives. And then as the guide walks back towards the temple, the whole desert has been transformed. So there are trees in the desert bearing fruit for food and the leaves are for healing. In Revelation, we hear that the leaves by the trees and the river of life are for the healing of the nations. But in Ezekiel, the trees are simply for healing. God gives Ezekiel this gift, saying, This is my intent. This is my dream, but more than my dream. This is who I am. I am hope and strength and courage. And this is the gift bubbling up to us. 
from the depth of the divine. Now we can look around our world and see the places that are dead, places that are becoming inhabitable, where it's difficult to imagine that anyone can live. The places like Syria and northern Iraq where ISIS is on the move. And oh, how we mourn what is happening there in that birthplace of civilization. How we mourn what is happening there. And there's Benghazi and that flood of children coming from the south to cross the border, coming by themselves, that river of children. And we do not seem to be able to stem the flow. What do we do? And we have our own places in our lives where things get ruined, and they weren't as they once were. Things sometimes get destroyed, and our faith can drain, and the terrain is very harsh. And this is when God calls us to the river. At a harsh time in my life a few years back, the sanctuary of the church I served was not the best place for me to convene with God. I could lead the people there, but I needed a strength that came beyond that. And across the street from this church, there was another sanctuary, an Audubon sanctuary, where you could hear the pileated woodpecker, and sometimes there would be flocks of wild turkey, and there were paths hiking trails, and all I had to do was walk across the street, and on one of the hiking trails, there was a tiny little bridge over a trickle of water, a little stream bubbling over the rocks, and I stood there and sat there just to listen to life and knowing that God was present, flowing through life. I just listened for the bubble, for the trickle of water, and it bore me through. Now, we often find God in nature. In fact, God can meet us anywhere. But there is an amazing thing about this passage. For all the time that we go looking for God, Ezekiel reminds us that the places where people gather to worship are the most wonderful places to meet God. That here, in the songs, in the scripture, in the being together, in the baptism of the water on the child's head, the water bubbles up. Sometimes we leave here, we may have just gotten barely a trickle. 
Other times we are overwhelmed with a flood. As we walk down the aisle to go out into the world, the water that started here soaks our socks. It is up to our ankles. And then as we go out into the world, with the stories and the songs, the spirit cannot be contained. God's love will not be bottled up. Even if we were to stay here and just open up the doors, the Spirit of God would flow out into the streets and into our homes and into our schools and where we work. And it would get deeper and deeper, and sometimes the river just bears us along. And we're like that person in the canoe or in the raft or in the kayak. And we don't even maybe know that the river is there bearing us along. When we would be threatened to be overwhelmed by life, The river is holding us up and getting us through the rapids and through the harsh places and bearing us when we cannot swim. And sometimes we find a place in the river where we play, in the faith, at a lobster fest. We play. We plant fruit trees. We clean up the Anacostia River. We take food to a friend. And we watch as the river grows and expands and those who were baptized here go off to Maine where the water and the river is so deep. And those young people who were baptized here will take and carry along that river that is so deep and they will heal someone's life and participate in that healing as they build a handicap ramp for someone's home, for a veteran who's come home and can't get into his house. They will restore a front porch, bringing life back to that family, and they will know what it is like to swim in the river. Sometimes the river is deep and flows slowly. And we can rest and allow God's love, God's presence to gently bear us along. And we can know and sense the depth of God's love for us. I greatly encourage you to look back along the banks of the river and see what trees have blossomed. See what life you have been a part of as you have traveled down the river. See the trees and their leaves and the birds in the air eating that fruit. And maybe you need to sit like Ezekiel and just listen for that little bubble of healing. God sends us guides to help us see, to show us where to look when we sit.
and listen. I want to close this sermon with a poem written by my friend, Bill Carter. And you, some of you have that little poem to take with you on a blue card. If you did not get one from the ushers, I encourage you to get that and take it home and have it with you to remind you to listen to the river. As night creeps in and days compress, we pause to recall how we were carried, what streams bore us along, and when did we sense the unseen grace that hides in each moment if atmosphere is full of trace amounts of this vapor or that, how much of God has been in the air today? It may not be too early to tell. Amen. Our hymn is number 272, God of the Sparrow.
be seated. We come now to that time in our service when we offer our prayers, our joys, and our concerns to God. You'll find in your bulletin a list of folks for whom we pray this week. And you'll also find in your pews a blue uh, prayer card that I hope you will fill out and give us the details of any concerns that you may have so that we can include them in our prayers this week. Um, If anyone has a joy or concern to share today with the congregation, would you please raise your hand and the usher can come to you with a microphone. But you'll be behind me. Sorry. Um, In keeping with what... um, Zach was saying, I would like to lift up Becky Berrywood and these six teenagers and myself who will be not here next Sunday because we will be on the road to outside Asheville, North Carolina, to Montreat Anderson College for the annual youth conference. Uh, You can read more about it in the Gateway, but it is a really magical experience. And keeping with Molly's theme, it starts with rock hopping along the little stream that pours out of Lake Susan. We're hearing a lot from the choir today, I guess. I would like to ask for prayers for the full recovery of our neighbor, Raj Sakaria, who had a stroke at about the age of 50 on Tuesday. He is in um, Walter Reed Hospital, and he's making progress. He has two children. Um, He is the grounds manager at Wood End, which is the home of the Audubon Naturalist Society. Many of you know. Please, prayers for Raj. There are other joys or concerns. Good morning, everybody. I have uh, one joy and one concern that I'd like to share. A while back, you might have remembered, I was really upset because my brother, who has epilepsy, was really suffering with the bout. And um, my joy is that his life has been restored and um, his epilepsy is sort of in remission. And he was married in New Hampshire last weekend. Yay! That's my joy. My concern is that my um, father-in-law's blood cancer seems to have returned. His name is Dick, and I would appreciate it if you could keep him and my husband, Tom, in your prayers. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Are there other joys or concerns? Let us look to God in prayer. God of life and love, with thankful hearts we acknowledge that our lives are a gift of your grace, renewed every morning and nurtured every day in your tender care. Help us to experience anew the presence of your spirit, a presence we oftentimes take for granted or seek only when life spins out of control. We confess that we're often so busy with the ordering of life that we fail to pause to hear the secrets of a waterfall, the ripple of the creek over the creek bed, or the majesty of the crash of the waves on the shore. And we fail to renew our dreams and our visions. As we encounter significant moments in our lives, empower us to celebrate its joy 
and to find time to renew our souls and to simply be. When in moments of frustration we become weary and bent, we pray for healing of our minds, our bodies, and our souls. Creating God, the water you called into being is at the heart of all that lives. So today we pray for the many ways water affects our lives and the life of the world around us. We ask your blessings on all people of faith and for the transformation in their lives marked by water. Give wisdom and discernment to the leaders of nations, corporations, and communities around the world who steward the gift of water so that all people may have clean water to drink and be free from waterborne diseases. Help us to shape creative solutions to conflict over water in the dry places of our planet and for peace in desert lands. Be with all those who travel or work at sea or on inland waterways, and especially with all who have recently suffered from too much water, from the destruction of floods and storms, hurricanes and ice melt. Give healing water to all who thirst for water, for health, for love, for wisdom, and for you. Fill their cups to overflowing. Help us to be open to your grace which surrounds us in this place and send your healing blessing through the flow of the waters of the river of life made real through the ministries and passion of this church into our community and the world to nourish and uphold. Encourage us to go deeper into your love each day, to lose ourselves in service and justice, and to rid ourselves of ankle-deep goals, dreams, and ambitions which keep us from faithful discipleship. We pray, too, for those who suffer injustice, for those who feel they have little to hope in, and comfort for those who, whose dawn is shrouded by the night's grief. Startle us anew, great God, with your spirit that brings healing from the ashes of woundedness. May we experience the surprise of your grace, doing your justice, living your kindness, and walking humbly with you each and every day. We pray all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to say together when we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, how will it be thy name? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Through our offerings, we are invited to put God first in our lives. May our gratitude and our commitment flow forth from our lives, carrying forth God's love, who need to know the transforming power and grace of God. Please give generously as we receive our morning offering.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for all you have given us. As we dedicate these gifts to people everywhere, let the lovely spirit of our lives at CCPC flow into others to make their lives full of joy and health. Amen. And now let us go out into the world in peace, with hope and courage and joy. For we go with the love of God and the grace of Christ Jesus and the power and the presence of God's Holy Spirit with us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.